Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. This is edition number 32 of season 8. We are working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today we turn the corner now. We move to chapter 6 of the fall of man, of sin, and of the punishment thereof. We'll consider the first two paragraphs of this chapter. Let's pray first before we do that. Our Father in heaven, as we now come to what is indeed very difficult news as it relates to our first parents and the sin that they plunged all of us into a life of sin and misery, uh, we recognize that we certainly need the bad news. We need to be reminded of the bad news before we'll see the good news of that which comes in the person and work of Christ the Mediator. And so we pray that you will help us in this study of this chapter, that we would be reminded anew of how you uh, treat sin and how you look at it, but we're also reminded of your promises and that proto-evangelion, that first gospel that you gave to us in Genesis chapter 3. May you be merciful to us as we study these things, and may they instruct us, we ask, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, chapter 6 is on the doctrine of the fall, the fall of man, of sin, and the punishment thereof. Now, what is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. That's short of catechism, question number 14. And here this chapter sets forth how sin came into the world and then the nature of sin and the just punishment that comes because of sin. Now it is true, of course, and the Bible makes this abundantly clear, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even redeemed people fall short of the glory of God. We do not love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. We don't love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We don't love these, uh, our God, the God in heaven perfectly. We do not love our neighbor perfectly. This is due to indwelling sin for the redeemed. But the nature of sin and its entrance into the world is highlighted for us in these first two paragraphs. And there we read in paragraph 1, Our first parents, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. Now if we look at Genesis chapter 3, all the way back, God had made uh, all that he had made, visible and invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, he makes man, breathes into him, him a living soul, gives him a command uh, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden. That is, of course, the first temple of God on earth to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, as our confession teaches us, our first parents, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. And so we note in Genesis 3 and verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now you have to read really verses 1 to 12 to understand the context, and many of you probably do. Uh, there Eve is in the garden, and Satan comes to her, and he begins to test her, and asks all kinds of questions, one of them being, did God really say? And 
Eve is confused, she is deceived, beguiled by the efforts of Satan, and she eats of the fruit that she was commanded not to eat. Paul draws on this same point in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And of course, we can apply that backwards into the life of Eve, a sincere uh, devotion uh, to God was challenged. Did God really say these things? And Eve was deceived by these matters. Now we know this came to pass, of course, if we back up to Confession of Faith, chapter 5, that we've already considered. Paragraph 4, we know that this first fall was not outside the bounds of God's divine providence and that he um, purposed to allow this to happen. This is not just simple permission, but an, act, an active decree of God that, that this would indeed occur. And so our first parents, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned, that is to say, they did not conform to the law of God in eating the forbidden fruit. This, their sin, God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purpose to order it to his own glory. And so that expressly repeats fundamentally what paragraph 4 of chapter 5 tells us. Now, in, chapter, or in paragraph 2, we see the result of this sin, and this result is that which now we, as those who are um, of ordinary generation, rooted all the way back to Adam and Eve, we have inherited, and we're going to see more of that um, in the Wednesday edition, but there in paragraph 2 we read, by this sin they fell from their original righteousness, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. They fell from their, their perfect communion with the God of heaven as they dwelled in the first temple of God. They enjoyed the blessings of God and his presence. But as a result of this subtlety of Satan and then, of course, Eve being deceived and then giving to her husband who was with her and he ate, they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. And so we see that in Genesis chapter 3 and Verses 6 through 8. There we read, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate, and the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, this is what sin does. I've often mentioned the, the foolishness or the, uh, the insanity of sin and what it does to us. Look what happens here. They violate the command of God to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil of which they were commanded not to eat. And they immediately recognized they were naked, there was shame. And then they go and they seek to hide themselves from the comfortable presence of the Lord. Now it's very bizarre, isn't it? The God who is all-knowing um, 
they seek to hide themselves away from in, in response to their action and their behavior. Now, it's a little silly, of course, to try to hide from an omniscient God who is also omnipresent. But this is precisely what sin does, and this is what they do. And so, they lost this original righteousness in communion with God. Thus, all have sinned, not all fall short of the glory of God, and became dead in sin. They became dead in sin. And they were warned, very much so, weren't they? That if they do not heed the command of God, they will indeed die. And so, I've already read the verse, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 2.17, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, we know that they did not physically die on that very day. For God comes to them in Genesis 3, and there's an exchange that occurs between the God of heaven and and the first parents, as well as Satan. And they are banished from the presence of God. They're still very much alive. But they began to die physically on that very moment. As sin entered the world, the wages of sin is indeed death. But they did die immediately, really and truly, also in that very act. For they died spiritually. They lost that which they were designed to do and to be. And that is to be in communion with the God of heaven who made them. So Paul draws on this in Ephesians chapter 2 and reminding the Ephesian church, and you were dead, Ephesians 2 verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, wrath like the rest of mankind. This is the spiritual death that came to Adam and Eve immediately, and they proved that by their behavior. And that is what we inherit, of course, and this is our nature um, outside of Christ. Objects of God's wrath, just by nature, just by the fact that we exist. And so they became dented sin and wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul, and body. It didn't take very long after the fall for sin to begin to have its great effect upon humanity. Genesis chapter 4, we read of the account of the first murder, Cain murdering his brother Abel. But as we get to chapter 6, we see how sin is, is, is running as a flood across all of humanity. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, as God beholds these things, we read that Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17 in verse 9 makes reference to the desires of the heart and it's wicked only continually. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. Jesus later in the Gospels will teach us that the heart is the root of all of the evil that comes into our world. It is due to the fallenness of man, the failure to keep God's law and the first temple of God that plunged us into this state in which our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful. And from those hearts that are blackened by sin spring all of these evil things, all these evil thoughts, all of these evil actions. And so Jesus teaching on this very point, Matthew chapter uh, 15, 
He reads there, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And so you ask yourself, perhaps at times, as you watch the various, you watch the news or you see people behaving in such and such a way that is so vile, where does these things come from? Well, it's because of sin. It's because, how, it's because sin has so egregiously infected the heart of man, plunged them into this state of which then flows out of them all of these things. It's not an exhaustive list of, uh, of items as Jesus gives it, but it's enough to, to demonstrate that, that these matters, these sinful actions spring from our sinful heart. Now, I don't know where you are, friend, as you watch this video. Uh, maybe you've stumbled upon it. Maybe you have just uh, happened upon these devotionals and have been watching them. Maybe this is the first one. I don't know, but I can tell you this. Not only as a minister of the gospel, but one who understands the reality and the darkness of sin, that this is a description of your state that all of us have been plunged into, you and me, all of us, and aside from the work of Jesus Christ, there is no hope in the world. There is no rescue from this. This is a prison of which you cannot extricate yourself. Your heart has been plunged into evil. And it is there will it will remain unless it is freed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see more of this in chapter 8, but I do not want to pass this moment by and not remind you that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There has never been a day in your life that you have not offended a holy God, either in thought, word, or deed. And because of that, the wages of those actions or thoughts or words is death. In the same sense in which Adam and Eve died, you have died. And that death is an eternal death, a death that will land you into, into a place not in the comfortable presence of God, even as Adam and Eve were driven away from his presence. No, instead, it will land you into a place of utter and complete torment. The solution is relatively simple. It is to acknowledge that sin and that offense before a holy God and to plead his mercy through the blood and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to atone for the sin of his people, to remove that sin, that blot, that stain that so infects every single person that has ever lived, is living, and will live. The solution is to turn to Him, to cry out to Him, be merciful to me, a sinner. I have offended you, and I am in desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Wednesday edition, when we continue looking further into uh, this chapter. We're going to consider um, paragraph three. Uh, may the Lord help you today. May you be reminded anew of the nature of which we were plunged into. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, may you rejoice in the great salvation which he has given you, that you might serve him. Uh, if you do not, then may you heed the words that I left you with. May you look to him for the help that you need. God bless.